Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We are here for you. Out of all the things in life that compete for our attention, Jesus, we have prioritized this morning for some reason or another to come into this place to worship you, to hear from you. Because God, we, we're your people and we want to know you more. We want to live greater lives of faith and obedience. So in this place, in this moment, God, we ask that you would just speak so clearly. We know you're here. We know you're speaking. God, give us ears to hear what you have for us today. God, we celebrate your goodness. We celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate who you are as we lift our voices and sing all our all my life you've been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. So Jesus, take this life. It's yours. Lead us, change us, mold us. And it's in your name that we pray. In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen, amen. Why don't you grab a seat, look around and wave at someone, socially distanced wave. Pretend you can actually smile with your eyes for just a minute at everyone around you. Smile with your eyes. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. So good to be in God's house today. Even with the wind blowing, I feel like someone said as I was, as they were coming in, it's a Holy Spirit wind moving through the valley this morning. And so we're, uh, we're here and we are giving ourselves to this morning. If you don't know me, my name is David and I'm the lead pastor here. Just so excited to share. This message has been on my heart for weeks even into quarantine, this message was on my heart, and I can't wait to share it with you today. Can we just thank Pastor Manny and Pastor Becca this morning for leading us in worship? I tell you what, I love, I love big rock and roll. I do. I love, I love it, but I love this. I love being able to just strip it all back and just say, God, all we have is yours. No distractions today. No distractions. So, all right. Um, hey, just one quick thing before we begin. Last week, we prayed specifically for the island of St. Vincent in response to the volcano that had erupted the week before, and, um, and we were praying for them. And then we had a group of ladies here in the church that really rallied and, and got a bunch of stuff to send them to make sure that we could help in whatever way we could. And I don't know all the details, and if you know who you are, like, good for you. Good job caring for this community. And so can we just thank God for inspiring our actions today? And if that was you, thank you for representing the church and, and God's church so well in the way that you cared for this community in need. All right, a uh, special welcome to everyone joining us online. We hope the couch is treating you well. We do, but not too well, because I really hope that you will at some point sooner than later make your way back inside because there's just something about being inside together, amen? There's just something about it. There's something about gathering together like God instructed with other believers to worship him, to pray, to gather, to take the Lord's Supper, to share the gospel of Jesus, to reconnect, to serve in ways only we can. There's something that happens when the church gathers, and this is what we started talking about last week. We started talking about it, and if you missed it, the focus of the message from last week was that you are what? Essential. That you are essential. And the big idea is essentially that, that as we embark on this new faith adventure in the coming season, in this mid-COVID, post-Christian world, we are all essential. 
We are all instrumental to the future that God wants to build because we all help make up the body of Christ. We all help make up the body. And how funny would it look if the body only had one part? How funny would it be if, and how limited would our impact be if only 30% of us contributed only 30% of the time? We are all essential. And that means, first, that we need to make it a priority to show up and good for you. Good for you to be here, as great as brunch is, as great as the beach is, not today with the wind, I hear you, but, but as great as it is with these other things in our lives, if this is your church, if this is your body, then you got to show up. That was the first thing we talked about. Second, if you are essential to the church, then you need to sign up. And we had so many people fill out Connect cards this past week. It was amazing. We all have a role to play. We all have gifts that God has given us to serve the body of Christ, and so we got to sign up. And last thing we talked about last week, which is really a challenge for me, is that we need to work on building up the body. We need to build up. This past year was brutal for everybody. It was brutal for everyone. It's been such a discouraging time for so many. But this means that we have a unique opportunity to be a people of encouragement. We have a unique opportunity to be a, a people of, that build up those around us. And so that means there's no room for negativity. There's no room for a critical spirit in the body of Christ. Especially when we begin to understand that everyone's essential. Everyone's essential. You are essential. You are essential. And that's what we talked about last week. Now as we move on today, we finish up in this little mini-series called Church People. If there's one thing I need you to take away today, more than anything, I want you to leave today understanding what it takes to have a greater sense of ownership. Ownership, as you recognize maybe for the first time that this is your house. That this is your house. That this is your house. Just take a look around for a second. We've been gone for a long time. Welcome home. This is your house, but it's up to you to make it a home. This is your house, but it's up to you to call it home. I remember back in 2010, the year of our Lord, 2010, I had been living in Minneapolis for about five years. I moved there to finish up school. Um, and while I was there, I, had, I lived in a few different houses with, with different roommates, different friends, when my responsible friend named Brad Fox, he sat me down. And I don't know, does anyone ever watch HGTV? Anybody? Yeah? So my friend Brad, this is him, he's, uh, he runs this show called Stay or Sell with his wife, and um, it's on HGTV. You should watch it. It's really good. But he sat me down in 2010, and he just said, he said, he said, David, you've been renting for a while. You've been renting for a while. And I, Leah, thank you. I don't want them to be the distraction today. You're doing awesome. Okay. He sat me down and he said, David, you've been renting for a while. The world has enough renters. He said, you should really think about buying a house. It's a great market right now. Interest rates are low. In fact, I think I could help you get into a duplex, and then you rent the other side. It helps cover the mortgage. And I'm thinking, wow, this sounds, this sounds really good. It sounds, it sounds amazing. And so we start looking around. We start checking out what's happening. We eventually find this cute little side-by-side -side duplex in the heart of northeast Minneapolis. This is me. I know. 1996 Toyota Camry. You know what I'm talking about. 
And so it's this cute little side-by-side duplex, 2416-2418, Northeast Minneapolis. This is like, this, is, this was home. And so we go through all the bank stuff, down payment, help from mom, thanks mom and dad, secure the loan, eventually close on the house. And I'll never forget the photo of me with, in front of the sold sign. Check this one out right here. Yep. Yep. There we go. And I'll never forget it. And, and, and I'm sitting there with Brad. And uh, I'm sitting there with Brad, and, and he just says to me, he says, uh, hey, David, congratulations. I said, what? He said, this is your house. And I said, oh, this is my house. Okay. This is, this, is, this is my house. I'm thinking, yeah, this is my house. But then I'm thinking, now what, right? What do I do? And so I get in the 1996 Toyota Camry, and I drive over to Home Depot. I start a Home Depot credit card, and I go wild, okay? I buy the drill. I buy the saws. I buy the hammers. I buy the little tool belt. Rick, you know what I'm talking about? The cool tool belt that makes you feel like a man when you're walking around the house with the hammer hanging down, right? I bought it, and I'm just going to be real with you. Like, I'm handy, but I'm not that handy, right? So I had to rely on the good folks of Home Depot to tell me what to pick up. Invested in that Ryobi. You know what I'm saying, Rick? All those exchangeable lithium-ion batteries, still using them today. Yes, sir. Just picked up a leaf blower for the backyard. Don't need it today. <laughs> so, so I close on the house. I pick up all the stuff, and... Um, and I'm thinking, okay, now what? So I call up my friends, and I say, hey, friends, we're having a pizza party. Come on over. A painting party, and I'll buy the pizza. And so my friends, they all, they all come over. We get to work, get the house fixed up. You know, we're cleaning, we're painting, we're taping, we're trimming, all of it. And, and after a few days, after a few days, I remember just feeling totally overwhelmed. Totally overwhelmed because I've never done this kind of work before. That's not who I was. There, was. there was always a landlord to take care of it. There was always mom and dad to do the laundry or, or to, to mow the lawn. And so I'm totally exhausted. And then all of a sudden, day two, my crew, right, my guys that come over, and they're just, they're committed. They're like, we're with you. All of a sudden, they start, they start like kind of tapering off, right? And I'm like, guys, where are you going? There's still so much work to do. And, he, and they look at me, and they said, David, same phrase, different intention. They said, David. This is your house. They said, we got a house. This ain't it. This is your house. And we got to go home. And it's there that it really started to sink in. This is my house. So I got back to painting. It wasn't what I wanted to do. It's not what I felt gifted in. It's not what I what brought an immense amount of joy into my life in that moment. But it was necessary if I wanted to make this house a home. Now, about a week later, everything was done. Some friends came back around, and we were, and we were like, we got it done. But, but everything was pretty much finished, and I had some roommates move in, and they were, they were settled. We were feeling good, and so we had this housewarming party. And I invited everybody over to see the place. I wanted to invite them into my life, and it was great. Folks came, and they were hanging out in back, you know, by, like, the picnic table, they were out on the front porch hanging out. They were down in the basement playing video games, in the garage playing ping pong. It was great. It was great. But an hour or two in, everyone starts asking me, so David, hey, uh, what are we doing tonight? What are we doing? And, and I was like, well, what, do, what, do you guys, what do you guys want to do? Same phrase, different intention again. Well, they said, they said, David, this is your house. What are we doing tonight? 
This is your house, and it's true. I bought it. I invested in it. I set the rules for it, the norms, the culture. I invited people over. I welcomed. I hosted. Because it was my house. And it was up to me to see what was possible. It was up to me to decide what was permissible. It was up to me because it was my house. It was up to me to show hospitality. It was up to me to take care of it. It was up to me because I wasn't the renter anymore. I was an owner. And with all the benefits of owning, also come the responsibilities. I hope you're picking up this illustration, and I know that you do, because you're so sharp. You're a sharp church. I know you hear what I'm saying right now. But just in case, let me say it again for good measure. As a church, as church people, occupying a time and space in the world where commitment is only as strong as our feelings... And loyalty, and loyalty is seen as idealistic and individualism is accepted as acceptable in this world that we now occupy, this cultural moment. If we want to see God build his church into what it could be, and not just a rerun of what once was, but a new, beautiful reflection of Christ in and around us, all of us, because we're all essential then we must begin to live this life of faith like owners. Like owners. Just like my friend Brad, he said, and now he's saying it on TV, the world has enough renters. The church is built with owners. The world has enough renters. The church is built with owners. So this is your house as God is building his home. This is your house. One more time from Ephesians 2. Thank you, Emma, earlier for reading it. You are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. Why? Because God is building a home. God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. He's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone, the foundation that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. God is building his home, and he's using us. He's using us in what he's building. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer outsiders. You're no longer wandering exiles. No, you belong here. And I love this part in Ephesians 2. Irrespective of how you got here, regardless of your background, independent of your bank account, he's using you regardless of what you know or what you don't. You are essential. And you belong here because this is your house. It's not just my house. It's not just the staff's house. It's not just the deacons and the leadership's house. It's just not just the people who've been here for the past 50 years. No, this is our house. This is our house. And and this reality of ownership is what God speaks over his people. And he speaks over us all throughout the scriptures. And not in in a membership to a country club kind of way, right? 
No, instead, in the type of belonging that God ascribes the church, it is like family. We talked about this last week. We're not a club with patrons. We're not a feel-good community service with subscribers. We're not a social network with visitors. We're a family. We're a family with eternal... With, we are a family with eternal, irrevocable lifetime memberships paid for on the cross with the blood of Jesus. This is who we are. We are a family, and as a family, being built into a home, I need you to know that this is your house. It's not a cabin you visit. It's not an apartment you lease. It's not that Airbnb you rent on vacation or the hotel you book. It is the house that you care for. And again, if there's one thing I need you to take away from today, let it be this. As church people, we are not saved to be long-term visitors. We weren't saved as church people to be wandering exiles. As church people, we're not saved by the grace through faith and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God to be casual attenders once or twice a month. We were designed for fidelity. We were designed for loyalty. We were designed for commitment. We were designed to live as members, brothers and sisters, in this beautifully diverse extended family of God. And this is what God expects from his people. This is what God expects from his church. This is your house. Okay. Okay, what, what, is that, what does that mean for us? What does that mean today for us as we're all kind of emerging from quarantine and find ourselves half sitting on pews, half sitting on chairs? What does this look like for us, for those watching at home? Because I know some of you here today for the first time, like you're, you're brand new or, or like you just started joining us before lockdown and like you showed up and now you're hearing some guy up front you don't recognize, some guy from the Midwest tell you that you belong here, that this is your house and that you're essential and you're starting to feel maybe a bit claustrophobic, like, hey, listen, I'm just, I'm just showing up. I'm just checking this place out. I feel that. David, it's my first time. Just, just take it easy. I, mean, I got it. I know. And still others of you, you've been here for so long, for generations. There are people in this room that have been here more than 50 years, and now you're listening to the new guy up front you barely know who just took out half the pews and painted the stage black. And you're hearing him say, take ownership. And you're like, I have owned this place for 50 years. I've called this place home for, for my entire life. But now after all the change, the house doesn't quite feel like home. I get it. I feel you. So what does it mean? What does it actually mean for us to live like family here? What does it look like? What are the expectations, but also the opportunities that are available? If you choose, and I make no assumptions, if you choose to call this place home, what are the expectations but also the opportunities if you choose to say, this is my house? How will it play out? Well, just like last week, it's pretty straightforward. I've got three simple things for you to write down if you're taking notes. If we are to be the church that God wants to build here, I believe that we need to be a people of, of instruction, a people of investment, and a people of invitation. Instruction. 
investment, invitation. Can you say that with me real quick? Instruction, investment, invitation. One more time for good measure. In, instruction, investment, invitation. We're going to start with instruction, and I'm going to try to make this quick, but I promise you this is the longest sermon I've ever written, okay? And so if you need an extra cup of coffee, it's outside. You're welcome to stop by any time. So here we go. If this is your house, we need to first receive and settle into the house rules. The house rules. And what I mean by house rules is we must be a, a people of common culture and understanding. We need to know and submit to the norms for what's acceptable and what's not. For what we stand up for and what we kneel down for. We need to know where we're going we also need to know how we're going to get there. And that all comes down to clear and unified instruction. Instruction. And again, it's not to be uniform. God isn't calling us to be robots in the kingdom of God. Instead, he's calling us to be uni united and unified. Not uniform, but unified on what we confess to be true as we move forward as a family together. We need to have some house rules for what we believe and for how we behave. Now, okay, in my own house, in my own immediate family, I'm the dad. Rebecca's the mom, praise the Lord, obviously, right? And we as parents, we give our kids instructions, sometimes better than others. But we give our kids instructions for what our home will be like. It's not up to them. They're the kids. It's up to us. We're the parents. Now, in the same way, this is how God chooses to structure his house, his family, and his church. He is the good father, okay? He establishes norms for what we believe and for how we behave. We don't get to just decide to, to do whatever we want in God's house. No, he's the dad, so he tells us as the kids what to do. And I know sometimes that bucks against our 21st century independence, but this is the reality we see in scriptures. God is the father, we are the kids, and as father, he creates the culture for what his church should be. And we catch a glimpse of this instruction, or the house rules for his people in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 5, it'll be on the screen. This is the Apostle Paul, he writes this, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, this is good. And now, dear brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned. And receive from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This is the instruction that we've received. These are our instructions and the practice we must live out if this is our house. We must be considerate in all we do. It's heavy. We must be considerate in all we do. We must be a people of prayer that tell God, tells God what we need. We must be a people of gratitude who thank him for all he's done. We must be a people who fix our thoughts on what's true, on his instructions, on what's honorable, on what's right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about what's excellent and worthy of praise. These are the house rules, not just for this church, but for Christ's church. 
It's our responsibility to guard this instruction, this culture, from outside corruption and also inside distraction. We cannot compromise the instructions we've been given. And so as you consider what it means to be an owner here, or if you're thinking, like, do I want to be an owner? Do I want this to be my house? Please keep this in mind. That while your opinions matter, they do. That while your preferences matter, they do. That while your favorites, they matter because, because you matter and you're essential here. Everything and everyone here ultimately exists in submission to what Jesus said. Full stop. Everything exists in submission to Jesus. And that's... And I think that is what is so important for us to remember today. That even as we bring so much of our own story into this place, as we call this place home, it's ultimately God's house he's building. And so everything and everyone submits to what Jesus says. Jesus is king. I don't care... Hmm. Sorry, Margie. I don't care how much you tithe. I don't care who your dad was. I don't care where you work or you don't. If this is your house, we must be a people of instruction first. Not opinion first. Not preference first. Not religious first. But a people of instruction. We follow the way of Jesus first and let everything else flow from there. We must be a people defined by the eternal truth of God. No exceptions, no attitudes, no negativity, no entitlement, and no celebrity. We are all essential. Only instruction. As we put the kingdom culture of Christ to practice, that must come first, which brings us to number two. I'm clipping around. This is good. Okay, number two. If this is your house, we must be a people of investment. A people of investment focused on the future God wants to build. Y'all, back in 2010, 2010, again, first thing I did after I, I bought my house is I went to Home Depot, right? I picked up everything I could find. I picked up everything I could find. I, I spent so much money and even more time on the place I then called home. I cared for it. I painted it. I cleaned it. And I loved it. And, and there was no thank you. There was no expectation of praise or reward. No, because it was my house. My friends, they liked it. And they visited. And they said, wow, this looks, this looks great, for sure. Some of them even rented a room. But, but I was the owner. And as the owner, I saw it with different eyes. I saw what could be with different eyes. I believed in the future home for my family. I believed it could be a place of peace for those needing to catch their breath. I believed it could be a place where stories are shared and meals are, are, are common and, 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 we, and we make new memories. This is what I knew it could be. When I first approached that house with Brad and he said, this, this could be your house. I knew what it could be. But for my house to get there, I needed to invest in it. I needed to... I needed to see where it needed work and, I, and, and put the time in and the money and I, and I had to make it a priority. Now, in the same way, if this is your church, it demands the same type of investment. And I, and I know no one likes to talk about it because everyone thinks it's the only thing that churches talk about. But the reality is, if this is your house from the Lord, you need to take care of it because it's yours to care for. And I tell you what, we talked about this last week. We are currently operating with 20% of the church as owners. 
80% is renters. 20% of the church paying 80% of the bills. 20% of the church doing 80% of the work. This is the reality of our family. And, and I remember when my kids, when they were little, they're still kind of little, they're six and four, but I remember when they were really little, my expectations for them were really low, right? Like I cooked the food. I made them dinner. I cleaned. We carried them around. We bought, we bought them all sorts of stuff. We, carried the, we, we catered to their television preferences. We stayed in so that we could put them to bed. They were little. They were young. And so the reality was they couldn't contribute much beyond just looking cute. And they were very cute. Not so much at like 3 in the morning, but they were very cute otherwise. But listen, as they've gotten older, friends, as they've gotten older, they not... Now they, they know how to put their shoes away. And they know how to get dressed on their own. Praise the Lord. They, they can pick up their own toys. They can deal with it when I watch the news. And, and they know how to grab their own bowl of Cheez-Its, all right? They know how to do these things. They know because they've grown up. Because we've instructed them. I mean, they're not all the way. But still, along the way, the expectations we had for them have now changed. So let's bring it back around. Some of you are brand new to faith. Some of, you, some of you are still debating if this is actually real. And we're here, and it's inspiring, and we're encouraged, but you're still trying to feel it out. Totally, I get it. Take your time. But I'd venture to guess that 90% of the people in this room have been church people for a while. 90% of people in this room have been church people for a while. You're not babies anymore. No, you are essential. You are essential, but for some reason, you've been able to get by with someone else doing the work. And moving forward, this has got to change because if we're to be the church God requires, if we are, then we all need to be people of investment. No passengers on this boat, only crew. No passengers, only crew. If this is your house, you need to invest. And one of the first things I heard when we moved here was uh, there's this book, uh, the church history book that Don Carlson put together. And, and I discovered when I was researching some things over the past year that, that early on in the history of this community, back in the 1960s, when this building was still a foundation, there were people in this church that literally mortgaged their homes to build this house. Some of you might remember, for real. And they did it. They did it. Because they believed, not just in what it was, but they did it because they believed in what it could be. They had such confidence, such vision and faith that they invested their lives, not just their time, not just their money, not just their mortgage, but their lives in what God might do next. And today, doesn't that simultaneously sound amazingly inspiring, but also totally crazy? Totally crazy to mortgage your home, to build a church. But this, friends... This is the expectation God has for his people. It's not about money. Listen to that. It's not about money. I'm going to say it one more time for all the sensitivity in the room. It's not about money. It's not about your stuff. It's not about a legalistic list of do's and don'ts. It's about you choosing to see yourself as all in. All in. There are no compartments with one foot in, one foot out. No, it's all about ownership. It's you choosing to commit all you are to all God is doing. Because 
This is your house. What's so beautiful about, hmm, so beautiful, but also challenging about this reality is that no one is forcing you to make this decision. When you're a kid, decisions are made for you. But now, this is up to you. You get to decide, and this is exciting, but also really challenging. You get to decide where to invest your life. You get to decide where your priorities are. You get to decide where you show up on Sunday, and and I'm not here trying to convince you. I'm not. I'm not here to guilt you into anything. If this is your house, I'm just saying prove it. Invest in it. And if it's not, then don't. I'm not mad. I'm not disappointed. Just be consistent. Would I love for you to call this place home? Absolutely. Would I love for you to see it with fresh eyes? 100%. Would I love for you to choose to sacrifice to help build the future here? With more than anything. Would I love for you to choose to tithe and give financially? For you to invest and make this place home? 100%. But that's something you need to decide to do. And I can't guilt you into it. This is a decision from the inside out that you need to make. But I believe that you are essential. I believe that you are essential to the future of this church. I believe that God could use your life to propel generations of faith into obedience. I believe that God wants to use you for absolutely amazing things. But it starts with choosing to be a people of investment. Now, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, by the way, Pastor Jeff, I don't know where you are, but dynamite introduction to communion today. That just, it resonated me in a, with a different way. So thank you, Pastor Jeff. But on your, on your chair, on your chair, you have these like kind of red-orange cards. And I just encourage you, pick it up, wave it around again. Because they, these are simple, simple ways that you can invest in this house. You know how to hold a door? Anyone, who knows how to hold a door open? Every hand in the room. We need you. You know how to use a computer? We need you. You know how to play basketball? We need you. Pick it up, fill it out, drop it off in the boxes. If this is your church, then this is your house. And you are essential to take care of it. We must be a people that invest, and that's number two. And lastly, so quickly, so quickly, we're getting there. If this, is your, if this is your house, if this is your church, then we must be a people of invitation. We must be a people willing to welcome anyone, recognizing that we won't be a church for everyone. We need to be willing to welcome everyone, recognizing we won't be a church for everyone. Romans 12 says it like this, with a few more house rules. Starting in verse 9, he says, Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help them. And always be eager to practice hospitality. This is, this is a, a capstone for our community.
Don't pretend to love others. Take delight in honoring each other. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And this word hospitality in the Greek is philoxena. And it literally means friend to stranger. Friend to stranger. So Paul, he's saying, always be eager to be a friend to a stranger. We must be willing to show kindness to people we don't know. We must be willing to show kindness to people that aren't like us, people that don't have the same background, people from the, the, the different side of the tracks, different history of faith, people with the past, people with tattoos, people, with, people in recovery. We've got to be willing to, show, to, to welcome them as a friend, to welcome young people and old people and, and, and gay people and divorced people and religious people and rich people and poor people. We need to welcome the lost world into a place where they can be found and we can invite them into a better way. Welcome them into a new family, a family that, a family that doesn't just pretend to love others, but really loves them, that hates what is wrong and holds tightly to what is good. We need to be eager to show hospitality to everyone and anyone, which I think, if we're honest, can be a little bit of a challenge, especially when we're not always that great at loving even other Christians. Back in 2019, lots of dates for you today. Back in 2019, our very first week here, we were strangers. We were visitors. Scared out of our minds, you terrified me. You terrified me. It was my first week. I was uh, candidating for this position, and we were here already anxious when we, when we sat down. And as we sat down, we realized that we were sitting in someone else's spot because they told us. <laughs> uh. And so then, you know, during the meet and greet, that's what they used to call it, meet and greet, pre-COVID, meet and greet, it was great. I was about to go up and preach. Someone came up and told Becca, a visitor, a stranger in this house, my wife, that she couldn't have coffee in here because we, we were a church that didn't have coffee in the sanctuary. And this was our first experience. And we were welcomed, no doubt. Like, people were so kind to us on the front end. But there were moments where we felt like strangers. Do you know how maybe understandable but unbiblical these interactions were? I've had friends visit, and they were told to take off their hat. Visitors. I had friends visit and said they weren't dressed enough. I had friends visit, and, and they were told to find another seat. Y'all, this is not a social club. This is your house. Do you tell your guests where they can sit when they come over? Do you tell your guests what the dress code is when they show up knocking on the door? Come on. This cannot be the way we welcome people. We must be eager to be a people of invitation, to invest and create space and places that visitors actually want to be, not at the expense of at the scriptures, not at the expense of instruction, not at the expense of the culture that God has handed down to us, but in response to it. We need to be a world that's, we need to be a, a place in a world that's literally ripping itself apart. We need to be a place of peace, a house of peace. We need to be a church of kindness and understanding. 
a church with open doors. We must be willing to do whatever we can to remove any distractions that might keep the unbelieving world from coming in and experiencing the good news of Jesus. Any distractions. Instruction comes first, remember. From the parking lot, to the bathrooms, to the coffee bar, to the sermon, we need to put our own preferences aside. 100%. So the unbelieving world might come to know and believe and be saved. And this is what the church is. It's a family that's always growing. It's a family that's always saying, come. It's a family that's always saying there's a seat at the table for you. It's not about getting what you want. It's about humbly submitting everything you are, everything you love, everything that defines you on the altar before God and saying, Jesus, just take it. Take it and use it to build your church. And this is the expectation that God has for his people. These are the house rules of heaven. These aren't mine. This is the scriptures because God is building a home. And he used the apostles. He used the prophets. He used Bernie Travail. He used Billy Graham. He used all sorts of people for the past 2,000 years to lay a foundation, generation after generation of faithful obedience. But now, Ephesians chapter 2, now he's using us. He is using you, regardless of how you got here. He's using you to build a house. Because the house is you. You are the home that he chooses to call. God loves you. God believes in you. And God wants you to be a people of instruction, a people of investment, and a people of invitation. And I'm not assuming, one way or the other, again, that this is what you want. I pray it is. I pray it is. But either way, this is the way of Jesus, and this is the church that God is building, and this is the house that God is forming. And yet it's still up to you. It's still up to you to say, this is my house. This is your house. So last week I asked for a favor. And uh, I asked you to give me eight weeks. Eight weeks to prove to you that you are essential to this church. I asked for eight weeks to prove to you that you were essential to what God is building here. Well, this is week two. Now I'm going to say it again. Give me six more weeks. And this one can count, okay? No, so seven weeks, this one counts. So six more weeks after this. Six weeks of ownership. Six weeks of showing up, signing up, building up. Six weeks of instruction, investment, and invitation. Just give me six more weeks to show you. To show you what this house could be. And then after six weeks, if it doesn't feel consistent with your heart for the Lord, not your preferences, but your heart for the Lord, I gladly release you. I want you to be here so bad. I want this to be your house. But if after six weeks of investment, instruction, and invitation, if you're just like, God, David, it just feels too far. No hard feelings. But for the next six weeks, my only ask is that you would enter this house as an owner. That you would settle into the house rules and that you would begin to believe again what's possible. Leave your negativity at the door. Be the first to give up your seat. Push aside your preferences for the future faith of another. Invite your friends. Seriously. Invite your friends. They're going to love it. Bring your tithe. Join a team. Read your Bible. Worship even if you don't know the songs. 
Sing, worship, pray for visitors. Pray for the visitors that aren't even here yet. Welcome the stranger. Because this is your house. This is your house. So I'm going to have Pastor Manny and Becca come up again. They're going to lead us in the song of response. It was long. It was long. Thank you for sticking with me. And the song that we're going to be singing is called Real Thing. We, we did it last week as well. And the opening line just says, Even when I'm empty, I will bring an offering. I could never live a life that costs me nothing. And this is it. This is my prayer for you and my prayer for this community. The prayer that I have been extending over this body, this family, since we arrived. That we would all come to believe that the best days of this church are still ahead of us. And that God's not done. If it's not good, God's not done. Because we're all essential. We are all essential to the future that God is building. So let us, mm, let us be a church with God's high streams formed from God's house rules. Let us be a church with fresh eyes to see what's possible and then actively invest to make it happen. And let us be a church that welcomes strangers as friends so they might choose to be family in Jesus' name. This is the way of Jesus, and this is your house if you want it. This is your house if you want it, but it's up to you to make it a home. Hmm. This is your house if you want it, but it's up to you to call it home. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. God, we celebrate your investment in us. God, we celebrate the family that you are growing and we ask that you would just give us eyes to see, ears to hear all that you're, you're calling us into in this moment, God, that, that we are not just strangers. We are not just wandering exiles. We are not outsiders anymore, God, that you have, you've adopted us into your family and now you call us yours, your sons and daughters. So God, let us live in response. Let us recognize that this is in fact the home that you are building and this is our house to invest in and believe in and welcome people into. God, I truly believe that the best is yet to come. I truly believe that, that you are moving and working and you are making all things come together for the good of those who love you. And so today, God, I ask that you would again, just open our eyes to see. Soften our hearts to receive you. Humble us today, God, that we might be your church people. That we might show up, sign up, build up one another. That we might submit to your instruction, God, your house rules, God, that we would be a people that invest. God, that, that we would be a people that are actively inviting and, and creating an environment of hospitality for the world to come and experience you for the first time. Jesus, help us understand the weight that, 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 that comes with being an owner. God, the opportunity of heaven forever, but the responsibility of life in obedience for today. 
So God, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you would just continue to open our eyes, that you continue to work on us. God, call us into greater faithfulness, more obedience, God, greater ownership in your name. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen, amen.